Welcome to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. This is the place where you'll hear kids ministry experts dive deep into practical and inspirational topics to help make you the best kids ministry leader you can be. On today's episode, Bill Emiot, Landry Holmes, and Jenna Magruder discuss why kids ministry curriculum is important and how to choose the right curriculum for your kids ministry. Let's get started. Here's Bill Emiot. Welcome back to the LifeWay Kids Ministry 101 studio. We're here doing podcast again today. It's very exciting because two of my favorite people, my favorite people are in the studio with us today. Jana Magruder. Hey, Jana. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm so excited to be here because um, this is my first time to be interviewed by you. Oh, well, good luck. <laughs> Jana serves as um, the director of LifeWay Kids here and we also have a dear friend, Landry Holmes. Landry. Hey, Bill. Good how's it going? You. Going great. Landry serves as the as our manager for publishing here at Lifeway Kids. And both Landry and Jana bring a wealth of information to our topic today, which is curriculum. Probably um, one of, if not the most, but we'll just leave it with one of the most important decisions a kid's minister makes is the curriculum that they're going to use in their ministry. It undergirds everything. It, it really is the backbone at some level of, of everything we do because that curriculum speaks into our kids as much as we do, or if not more. I think it's really important. Jana, you have a background with curriculum even before Lifeway. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, well, my background is in education, um, and I taught in the classroom for a while uh, where, you know, I was interacting with, with you know, big curriculum providers for, for public schools. Uh, but after that, I moved into the world of museum education and was uh, cutting my teeth on developing curriculum and experiences um, for for kids and their families. So um, this is where I really learned what it means to have a scope and sequence and what it means to, um, you know, have a plan and goals and objectives and and writing with that teacher or that parent in mind. And um, so I did a a lot of curriculum design during that phase Mm -hmm. of my career and then kind of went off on my own and did it for um, other people and authors and organizations and, and, and really anyone who needs curriculum. It turns out, you know, there are a lot of other organizations, not just churches and right. schools, of course, that need curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I've done a variety of those kinds of things. And then um, certainly in, in, in children's ministry, I've also done, uh, you know, my own kind of curriculum right. in certain phases, and we'll talk about that yeah, later, writing sure. your own, but yeah. Great. Well, Landry, you have been with Lifeway um, in publishing for... Over 20 years. Over 20 years. He won't tell us exactly how many. Over 20 <laughs> years. So you're, the information, the what you bring to the table today, talk, and it's all been in preschool and children too, right? Yes, that's great. Um, what you bring to the table is going to be... Uh, extraordinary too. I'm so thankful to have this opportunity for us to have this conversation. You know, curriculum comes in all shapes and sizes, I guess. Um, There's different ways that you receive curriculum, digital curriculum now, um, print curriculum, I guess the old-fashioned way, and, and that's still much 
that's still probably the preferred method with many of our churches, but we do have uh, digital delivery um, here at Lifeway. But there's also write your own curriculum. Jana, you've had some experience with that. Yes, I have. Um, and it made the more experience I had writing my own, the more I came to love others writing it for me. <laughs> it's hard work. It is such hard work. Um, and I get asked this question a lot um, from from children's minister uh, leaders. Should I write my own or we're writing our own? Um, what do you think? Um, and my answer to that is I think it's great for certain seasons of ministry. Mm-hmm. I have been in a context where uh, we were an overambitious team and thought we were going to write our own chronological Genesis to Revelation curriculum um, and also with the senior pastor, like whatever the senior pastor is doing at the pulpit, we're going to stay with him. Wow. And that became, we, we wore ourselves out so quick. Um, that's and that's tough. what I always tell my colleagues who are listening is you will wear yourself out and you'll start evaluating, am I a curriculum writer or am I a children's minister? Right. And so my challenge is to, yes, if, if, you're, if your church is doing a special unit and you really do want to all be on the same page of this particular unit, maybe it's on giving or something like that. But um, or if you have a, something, you know, for Christmas or seasonal types of mm-hmm. things. But as for, you know, the the long haul, you will wear yourself out. And I think it's really nice to hire that out to professionals Mm -hmm. that you trust, like Lifeway, um, Mm -hmm. to do the hard scope and sequence work, to do the hard work of making sure that things are age appropriate and theologically sound. Um, because that takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we have, you know. And a lot of expertise a that lot of, a lot of a us ton. don't have. Yes. And, right. And so seasonally so, is, al- is always my answer. I like that. Yeah. Um, regardless, if you're using a, a, a published curriculum or you're writing your own curriculum, I think there's some questions that we need to ask ourselves when we're evaluating and determining which curriculum we need to use. I think the first thing we need to realize and put up front is no curriculum, or at least not any curriculum I've met yet, teaches itself. Now, there's probably some push-and-play models out there, but I don't know. Landry, I don't know that that would be our best option. I think it depends on the context of your church, but I don't think it's the best option because curriculum in the sense that we're using the term today, which is basically curriculum materials, mm-hmm. what you, um, the, the teaching materials that you're using, the learner materials you're using, that's kind of what we're talking about curriculum today. And if you do plug and play, what you don't get there is the relationship. And that kind of goes to what I think about curriculum does not teach on its own, in which you already said. In fact, you can have great curriculum materials that don't do, they're not, the teaching is not very good sometimes because of lack of preparation or lack of using the curriculum appropriately. Sometimes you might have some curriculum that maybe on the surface and maybe when you look at it, it's not the greatest curriculum, but the teacher makes it come alive in the classroom. So a lot of it, so that's why I'm going back to the plug and play. Mm-hmm. You don't have that relationship. It's relationship above materials. It's right. real, it's, and it's a relationship with kids born out of one's relationship with with Christ, of course, with Jesus himself. I, I think that's real good. The relationship is king. Um, the more I study about the generation we're teaching now, 
Gen Z, um, they are all about building relationships, um, uh, being cool, smoke and mirrors, all those kinds of things that sometimes we put a lot of energy into don't stand the test like relationships do. Building relationships and focusing on relationships, even in the midst of using curriculum, making sure that our um, relationships and, and, and showing love and, and, and building that with families and children, I think that says a lot. And if you've got a good curriculum in place, this goes back to should I write my own, if you are not wearing yourself out doing, uh, making the curriculum work for you, then you are freed up to have those relationships and do actual ministry, not only as a kids minister, but also your teachers. They have the ability to do that. Back to what you were saying, Landry, is if you've got a good curriculum in place, then you are freed up to do more relationship building and pouring into kids. Right. Right. And I I think that goes to your first question needs to be, what do I want the curriculum to do? So many times I think we ask, what curriculum should I use? I think the first question is, why do I need curriculum? What, What is the purpose of this curriculum? And that goes back to maybe seasonally I do write my own. Maybe on the long haul I do purchase Uh, it out of the box. But there's also a a third option I think sometimes we don't think about, but some publishers, Lifeway is one of those, we will write it for you. We'll customize it for you. So maybe you do have a need to have curriculum that's not just out of the box curriculum, but you don't have the resources or the time or the whatever it is to write your own. There is that third option sometimes of having customized curriculum written for you as well yeah different we have different times when we need curriculum sometimes it's your your main bible study hour of the week some call it sunday school connect group whatever you call it life group that main hour of the week where you have kids in bible study it could be um you have a children's worship and you need a curriculum for that um it could be a wednesday night programming um, a missions education programming, a music education program, whatever it is, we need curriculum for it. And each one of them may have a different desired outcome. So as we think about the curriculums and, and we may be evaluating what we're using right now or maybe we're evaluating what we're, con- we're contemplating using, there's some steps for evaluating that I think could be helpful. The first one that Um, I've talked about before, we've talked about before, is what is the foundation on which that curriculum is built? What is it built on? And and I think that has to do with doctrinal stance, scope and sequence, all of those things. Landry, talk to us a little bit about the importance of the doctrinal stance of curriculum. Does it really matter? And I would say yes, it does (laughs) really matter. Because I, you want Landry's our resident theologian. <laughs> <laughs> Harley, but um, you want your curriculum to be uh, a conveyor of trustworthy content, and so you need to be able to ask yourself questions of: Is it biblically accurate? And one way you get at that is what what is really behind the scope and sequence, um, and you know you can you can spot curriculum that's not necessarily biblically accurate. Hmm. Uh, as you are looking at it and you're thinking, well, now I don't remember that being in the Bible. Oh, okay. Go back and look at Scripture, but also as far as being uh, true to the doctrines that your church uh, believes in, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important as you're looking at curriculum to uh, you 
most of the time you can do this now online. You just double click there on the about us or, you know, our statement right. of faith and read through that. And see what that what their goals are really by seeing what their statement of faith is or what they where they're coming from, I guess I'm thinking. Right. See what see what their statement of faith is on the Trinity. Okay. And you think, well I'm not going to teach the Trinity to children, it's too complicated, but you want to know what their belief system is. Right. Check on what their statement of faith is related to um Salvation, mm-hmm. uh, related to the cross, related to the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That That's important. And sometimes you might not see that when you're just looking at a sample, a curriculum online, or, or getting a sample in the mail. You really need to go look at their doctrinal guidelines to know if right. it's doctrinally. Because you want to know, is it safe? Do I feel comfortable giving this to a teacher who may only be able to prepare 30 minutes for this session or an hour for this session. They're not going to be able to go do commentary work. They're not going to be able to, you know, I want to make sure this is trustworthy when I give it to a teacher. Well, because 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us that we're to correctly teach the Word. We're to correctly teach the Word, and I think that we have a responsibility to do the the homework that requires, that's required in order to do that. So we're out there correctly teaching the Word doctrinal stance does it does it um, connect does it align with your church what about scope and sequence i heard you say that earlier mm-hmm. jana scope and sequence i'm not even sure everybody knows yeah. what that even means sure i'd love to clarify uh, it's a very teachery yes. word um <laughs> but all curriculums seem to have either a scope or sequence or some kind of plan right study plan is mm-hmm. kind of the layman's term for what scope and sequence okay. is and we can all get a picture of what that is like when you open up a curriculum, you want to know what are we going to be studying and in what order, really, scope and sequence. Um, <clears throat> what I love to challenge children's ministers with is the long game of a scope and sequence. So that means that you're looking at a discipleship plan, really. Um, you want to know that when kids come to you as babies, that they will have what they need to know by the time they leave in fifth or sixth grade mm-hmm. and join the youth group. And your youth pastor will thank you yes. if you have done a good job at stewarding those years. And the only way you can really do that um, and make sure that they have foundational truth and doctrine and even beyond that really solid theology um, is to have a wise discipleship plan in place. And so a good curriculum is going to be grounded in that. So it's really important to look at not just is, um, do I like the stories that are that are coming out in the next, you know, three months? It's really, are is this plan going to serve my kids well, my families well, uh, by the end of, let's say, a three-year, a lot of curriculum, certainly ours, are built on three-year mm-hmm. scope and sequence plans. And I know that sounds like a long time, And here's the challenge for us in children's ministry is that we, uh, because the nature of being in children's ministry, we um, like to have fun. And sometimes we get distracted by lots of things out in the market because our world is full of options and choices. Um, And if we're not careful, we can cherry pick what we like and then kind of duct tape together our own discipleship plan um, because it's really our preference. So we use our preferential, you know, 
um, uh, things that we like to create our own uh, scope and sequence discipleship plan. If we're not careful, then we're going to be teaching the same things over and over, and we're not taking kids to that next level. Right. Um, so I would I would encourage you to think through. Okay, does this curriculum that I'm choosing have a wise discipleship plan in place? And think about it through the lens of the long game, not just the short game. Good. So yes. Oh, I'll say a word that that comes to mind, Jana, mm-hmm. when you say that is is balance. Mm-hmm. A scope and sequence can give you balance. Um, when you cherry pick, you do tend to go to those uh, either familiar stories, and many times we say, why don't we just teach the stories that I learned when I was uh, when I was two years old? And usually your memory's a little off, and you might not have learned that story until you were seven, but yeah. uh, if we just do that, then we don't have balance. Balance as in Old Testament and New Testament. Balance mm-hmm. as in history and law and gospels and letters and all the genres of scripture a scope and sequence can give you a balance uh, because there's a reason that there are 66 books in the bible there's a reason that it's all there god does want god reveals himself to us through all of scripture and so now it doesn't mean that we're going to teach necessarily teach a month of Leviticus to children. I just finished reading Leviticus this morning <laughs> in my own reading. And, Congratulations. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I should have finished two months ago. But, uh, again, I need balance as an adult as I study God's Word. If I just stayed in Leviticus forever, I would not see the grace that I see in the Gospels. Right. Or if you never went to Leviticus, think about that, because that is a book that, that we kids folks would like to avoid sometimes. <laughs> Because of all the blood sacrifice. But we need to know that that happened. Right. right. And kids need to know that. Which kind of leads to another point when we're evaluating curriculum. Does the session point to Jesus? Because there's a lot of curriculum and a lot of sessions and a lot of good Bible content we need to be teaching boys and girls that are not, that's before Matthew. So do all of these sessions point to Jesus in some way? Um, uh, that's That's important i've i've i'm convinced that i've been doing this for almost 30 years which is unbelievable but i've been doing this for almost 30 years and um statistically the results have not been what i thought they should be they've been less than stellar the results of kids sticking around church staying in church after after we've had them through our preschool children student ministry and and I'm I, I'm I'm convinced that it's because we've not focused enough on what really does stick and that's Jesus and while we may be studying uh, the life of Daniel in in our curriculum does the the session does the publisher does the the writer get you to what sticks which can transform a child not Daniel but Jesus that's right you know one of the things that that helps me with that is you already talked about Paul writing to Timothy and another place Paul reminded Timothy that how he had known the scriptures since he was a child since he was an infant actually in some translations and that they pointed Timothy toward salvation in Christ now Timothy wasn't studying the gospels what was he learning he was learning the law the law mm-hmm. but that law was pointing him to Eventually, God was going to redeem us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we, take, when we teach a balanced approach of the scripture, 
we don't wait to talk about Jesus until we get to the Matthew, until we get right. to Christmas. We're because God is talking about His redemptive plan throughout all of Scripture. And sometimes helping kids recognize that it's not changing the this it's not a, 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 it's not allegory. It's all true stories, but it was pointing to 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 Jesus and and I think that's so valuable as we evaluate our resources and consider curriculum. I also think we have to be careful though to make sure that the resources we're considering the curriculum we're we're considering is age appropriate. It's the teaching sessions are age appropriate. There's a big difference between a four-year-old and a fourth grader. And yeah. you can lose a four-year-old real quick if you're teaching them fourth grade resource. And you can lose a kid real quick if you're teaching a fourth grader on a four-year-old level. So how do we, how do we approach that? So that is a really difficult question to answer at times. So I'll, I'll, quickly, this is what I'll say is what I believe is age-appropriate may not be what your church holds to be age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. Are your parents, mm-hmm. are you as a, as a leader? So uh, I am past where I will dictate to you or try to dictate to you what I think is age-appropriate. Did um, you used to do that? Lifeway <laughs> has a history of being more prescriptive <laughs> in saying this is age-appropriate. Right. And so... Uh, it's subjective. It, it, is, it is subjective. And it depends on... Um, the educators you read, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it depends on kind of your own training and your beliefs. I really, right. you know, and so re- base, bottom line, this is it. If you want to know what's age appropriate, you got to determine what you think is age appropriate. Um, based I think on, you can do some research. You can do some research. And one thing I would do is I would look at the framework behind a scope and sequence. You know, for mm-hmm. example, is there a framework that that the publisher uses that says, okay, at this age, we believe children should know this. At this age, we believe children should know this as far as the biblical concept. Or at this age, they should be able to do this Bible skill or this Bible skill. That's age appropriate. Skills Mm -hmm. are also age appropriate, not just content. content. Sometimes we just go with stories and say, this is not developmentally appropriate story. Well, um, maybe maybe in your context, it's not because of the context where your community is. Maybe it's that the way it's been told in the past uh-huh. may be too hard for a child to understand because they don't have the experience to understand those concepts. I've been challenged recently myself to think about how children were in the Bible times. Mm-hmm. Children experienced war in Bible times. Mm-hmm. Children experienced death. Children experienced so many things. I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. Hmm. We try to protect some children sometimes, maybe more than we should when it comes to content. I'm not talking about safety and security. I'm not about content right. right now. But it can be told in an appropriate way. Right. And a good curriculum will guide a teacher through that kind of teaching. That's and a it, good And word. a good curriculum will probably will say, you know your children best. Mm-hmm. If it is better that you don't say, tell this part of the story, emphasize this part of the story. Right. That's what a good curriculum would do. Yeah. You're right, Jenna. Right. I'm sure that family ministry is a piece of, of kids' ministry that we've not addressed well, and it's so very important that a curriculum that you're considering um, has those touch points, those connect points. 
Landry, what are some options a, fam a curriculum might provide to help families? All right, so first of all, just one method will not work for every family. Right. So I think you choose one method that you use for every family. So you're looking, when you're evaluating a curriculum, you're looking for multiple methods of connecting with families, right. not just, just one. Not just one, multiple. And for any family, they probably need more than one. Right. But some families are going to gravitate one more than the other. Mm -hmm. But, you know, choose what you're going to use for all families. For instance, I think the take-home page is what you choose because you're going to use it in class, you're going to send it home, and regardless And that's of, a good thing, too. If you've got a curriculum with a page, a, a, a pupil page, a take-home page, but it's multi-purposed, it's not just to get home, but it's also used in class, then that's a value, you know, that's a better return on your investment than one that's just take this home, you know, but you're using it in the class and you're using it with your parents. That's great. So I'll get my church. Let me just can give you an example of my church. When a parent picks up their child, I'm able to show them the page and say, you know, we talked about this today. And then they have something physically to associate with the content that I just said that we talked about mm -hmm. today. But then on Monday morning, uh, our preschool minister sends all the parents and the children's minister sends all the parents an email and said, hey, this is what your child learned. That's, wow. so, so some parents won't pay attention to that email. But those parents, at least they do have the physical take-home page. The parents that weren't there that Sunday, they still get oh, to find right. out what you know what you heard. And you can do that with text. You can do that with apps. You can do that in multiple ways. So when you're evaluating and choosing curriculum, do they provide you right. with those tools? A good curriculum will provide you language and verbiage so that you don't have to start from scratch saying what we learned this week. You have the email ready to go. You have the text ready to go. I know we provide even social media posts that you can use um, that will succinctly kind of tell what we've learned that week. So even that is an extension to a t another touch point to the family. Right. There's a lot of things to consider with, with curriculum, a lot of things to consider. And I appreciate so much the two of you bringing your insights to our listeners today because at the end of the day, Curriculum is an important investment. Um, it's a, a financial it's investment. It's a time investment. It's a, a, a touch point with our teachers and leadership. And so they're investing. It's a big deal. But at the end of the day, it's an investment in the lives of our kids. And our kids deserve the best. And we can't go out there and just pull what might be cute Right. We have to pull what's best for our boys and girls. God, ex God expects us as leaders to choose material that ultimately glorify him. Mm -hmm. And I hope that this has been helpful to our listeners. It's certainly been helpful to me. Thank you so much for being here today, Landry and Jana. And thank you, listener, for joining us on Kids Ministry 101. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find out more about choosing the right curriculum by visiting teachkids.lifeway.com. That's teachkids.lifeway.com. We'll see you back here next week on the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.